They say, they say, that's amazing, that's amazing. How did you do that? How did you do that? Person, person, woman, woman, man, man, camera, camera, TV, TV. So Aerial view. Live. End times. Talk radio. Friday. 6 p.m. Eastern time. Call 760-422-5528. The town. NYC.com. You have a podcast. Cool. Oh, yeah, I invented them. Suicide. I have an idea now. I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Come on, baby. Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! Showtime! 
It's not today, though. It's tomorrow. September 5th, 1962, around uh, 1.40 p.m., if memory serves. I used to think it was 1.40 a.m. I even got talked into having someone do my astrological chart, and I gave them the wrong time. Do you know how messed up that is? Someone offers to do your chart, and you give them the wrong time? That's not going to do. That won't do. What kind of crap is that? I can't believe I did that. Because I'm not getting another chart made. There's no way! I don't believe in that stuff. Listen, I'm not raining on your parade. You want to believe in it? Go right ahead. What, What possible harm could it do? I don't know. never got its hooks in me. That's what I like to say about stuff that I that never got its hooks in me. I don't know how else to put it. And astrology is one of them. Like video games never got its hooks in me. I don't care about that. I I, I, 
I don't think I've ever played like sat at home and played a video game. That's not true. There was this moment when uh, there was I found out there was this bowling game I could play right there on my TV using the remote for motion, kind of like using the remote. And of course, the first time I uh, flung the remote across the room, that was the end of that. So I guess I can. I guess I can't do that. I find I'm talking to myself often these days. Uh, what about you? Do you find yourself muttering to yourself? And because uh, every time I do it here on Aerial View, the phone-in talk show that's been around since 1989, and everyone wants to know why, why. And I, I've explained it before in this program. It's my one hour I get to indulge myself every week. And it's it's all mine. I, I'm solely responsible for the content, everything that happens. I mean, what, how many things can you say that about? How many things are all yours? It's solely yours to do with what you please. And this is that. It's my indulgence. And I don't care. You know... I can check, I can actually check and tell you how many people are listening at any given time, right? And uh, I just went and checked, and I, 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 I'll share this with you, nine people. But you know who those nine people are? That's right, the Supreme Court. The entire Supreme Court listens to this show. Wouldn't miss it. Every Friday, 6 p.m., destination. Wherever they are, they text each other. Hey, Ginsburg, you're going to listen to Aerial View? Those kind of things. Can't miss for the Supreme Court. Can't miss programming. Can't miss it. Even though it's available as a podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all that bullshit, there's going to be more bullshit to come. I'm still working on the uh, Audible Amazon bullshit. Podcast, baby. That's where it's at. If they were shooting The Graduate right now, you know what that guy would have said to Benjamin instead of plastics? Podcasts. Everybody, everybody, everybody's got a podcast. This is live phone-in talk radio, and I can prove it. We have a phone number, 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. This is Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com, where you can also hear... Your uh, hound house on Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and then you crash into party. Do up chop shop of the air with Mark and Miriam every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call them and ask them. You got those do ops on vinyl? Uh, tomorrow I turn 58. I never ever in my wildest imagination thought I would hit. 58. I mean, I was on the cusp of self-destruction so many times as a young man, as a teenager. In my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. <laughs> that I just didn't think that I would see the cusp of 60. I mean, who would have thought? Not me. Oh, uh, by the way, We've got Keith Hartel joining us in just a bit. So hang on for that. We'll talk about the events of the day. 
But, uh... First, I'm going to celebrate myself for a minute. Because I never do. Because I... I... I just don't. I, I, you'll never hear me say I'm the greatest. You'll never hear me say I'm the best at something. You'll never hear me use superlatives to describe anything I've done. Even though I am proud of some of the things that I've done. That considering my origins, uh, it wasn't guaranteed that those things would happen. And I've had some rough road. If I look in the rear view, yes, there's been some rough road. But this year, 2020, shaping up to be the most daunting year. Began for us when our cat Violet died on January 21st, which happened to be a day after the first case of COVID-19 they found in the United States. It's a little weird, a little eerie, you ask me. I don't believe in signs and portents, but maybe I should start. She died, and then next thing you know, pandemic. It's like she knew. She was getting out. I want out. But 2020, you got your lack of employment, right? 11 million people still out of work. Suddenly, people running out of uh, money. A lot of people will not return to work. They'll be permanently laid off. You got an out-of-control pandemic in the United States. Thousand people still dying every day. You got a criminal president, an immoral, incompetent, corrupt criminal president who every day says the most ridiculous bullshit you've ever heard spew out of a human being's mouth. Now he wants us to believe that uh, somebody, usually George Soros, is funding these flights around the country of Antifa. Or as someone called it, Air Tifa. And I'm like, what? That's some wacky bullshit. But it's par for the course. And you know that thing about may you live in interesting times? I've seen that, like, Confucius said it. Or it's an Irish proverb. I don't know. I don't care. Fuck that thing. May you live in interesting times, my fat ass. And I know all we have is this moment true. But... I opened my journaling app the other day. I hate that word. Journal. I've been journaling. What have you been doing? I've been journaling. And it asked me, because sometimes it has these prompts. It's like, oh, I know you can't think of anything, so I'm going to prompt you. And it prompted me to write about my special achievements. And I thought, what? So I had to actually uh, write stuff down, because I'm not the type to take a victory lap. I don't do that. So indulge me. This show is an hour of indulgence. Indulge me as I look back a little bit. Because when you don't know where you're headed, looking back is a lot easier, right? None of us know where the future may bring us, what the future may hold. The future where you and I will spend the rest of our lives. Nobody knows. Everything's so fucked up. You don't know. And even though these may not meet your definition of accomplishments... They do matter to me, these accomplishments I remember that make me special. Presented here in roughly chronological order. And then we're going to reach out to Keith Hartel. So uh, let's start with being bored in Amityville and largely escaping the horror. That was pretty good. 
by the age of three, I had undergone a delicate eye operation. Survived that because I was wall-eyed. I had my scalp split open by a neighbor. This kid, Kevin, with a piece of slate when I was about five. I was rushed to the hospital, bleeding profusely from my head. Uh, I survived an alcoholic, rage-filled mom and a disowning disciplinarian dad. Not easy. I wasn't murdered by my siblings. I didn't murder any of my siblings. That I consider an achievement, whatever you might think of it. I was the constantly ridiculed, sensitive, fat kid all through school. Back when they didn't care about making fun of the fat kid. Please, everybody got in on the act. I took up guitar at age 13. I started and named the cover band Cobra at the age of 14. I started and named the punk rock hardcore band The Nihilistics when I was 17. By the age of 19, we had put out a five-song EP. A year later, we got uh, three tracks on the Reach Out International Records New York Thrash cassette. Or was it Trash? I always forget. Our music debuted by none other than Tim Summer, the guy that made Hootie and the Blowfish famous on his show, Noise the Show, on WNYC in 1981. Achievement unlocked! Nihilistics played uh, the legendary New York City clubs of the era from Max's Kansas City to the Mud Club to CBGB's to Great Gildersleeves and ones no one remembers. We were on bills with a wide range of bands from that era, everybody from the Beastie Boys to Sonic Youth. We were nowhere near as successful. We did put out an LP in 1983, Achievement. We toured as far north as Boston. As far west as Dover, New Jersey. We would have killed each other if we had gotten in a van together. I left the band after they went up Judas Priest's ass around 1985. Then I got rear-ended by a checker cab, knocked unconscious, sued, got about $7,000, and I used that money to get the hell off Long Island by the age of 23. Achievement a lot. I moved to the Garden State in 1986. I met Kaz. I joined WFMU the same year. We put the radio show The Nightmare Lounge on the air shortly thereafter. I was a paid WFMU employee twice. You tried doing that. I joined the industrial band Missing Foundation on guitar around the same time. I appeared on three or four Missing Foundation records. Never got paid for any of that work. Correction, I recently got a check for $209.00 from a record company that re-released the first two Missing Foundation records. And it was like pulling teeth. Apologies to my friends who were dentists. Missing Foundation played all over New York City. Most of those shows ended when the power was shut off and stuff started flying. What we used to call hitting the anti-gravity switch. As in, who hit the anti-gravity switch? I was DJ, MC, and host of live music nights at Sideshows by the Seashore in Coney Island back in the... Late 80s, early 90s, if memory serves. Uh, I launched this show, Aerial View, in 89. The same year I became MC of the Coney Island USA Mermaid Parade. I worked for a paper company long before the TV show The Office showed up, so achievement unlocked. I played guitar in a band called The Jungle Creeps in the early 90s while dating the woman who uh, wrote all the songs and led the band, and that didn't work out well. I began working in New York City Public Radio in the mid-90s. I uh, formed the band Wrench with a friend Jim, R.I.P. Jim. We recorded at Water Music in the Meatpacking District. I took jobs in Master Control at 
WMYC, I began freelancing at NPR's New York Bureau, late 90s, early 2000s. And then I got my foot in the door at something new, satellite radio, serious satellite radio in 2002. Went on the Blues Channel. I got my writing published several times in several compendiums. I got hired full-time at NPR, the New York Bureau of NPR, by 2004. Joined the union. In 2005, I met my wife at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park at a weird New Jersey Halloween party. And uh, then I left NPR to launch a daily live phone-in talk show on Sirius Satellite Radio on the Road Dog Truck and Radio Channel in 2006. A little show called Freewheelin'. I also DJed on the Blues and Outlaw Country Channels. In uh, 2007, I got married. We also bought a house the same year. Uh, we became, uh, I became a cat father to Violet and Roger, and now Martin. On uh, the satellite radio, interviewed tons of actors, athletes, authors, celebrities, chefs, and plain folks on the air. I also, for a dozen years, endured an impossibly difficult working relationship. Oh, my God. How I used to come home and bitch about that. I was paid an incredible income for doing something I'm good at, namely live radio, talk radio. I socked away much of what I earned in a 401k. Good for me. I went through two extensive foot operations in the space of a year. I survived being fired by SiriusXM in 2018 due to Donald Trump. If you haven't heard that story, I'll tell it someday. Trust me when I say that's the case. I am continuing to produce audio for myself and others recently, Saturday, as recently as this past Saturday, matter of fact, uh, with this uh, little uh, event we called the Tailathon there at Coney Island. And I'm still doing this talk show, Area of You, live every Friday on thehoundnyc.com. I've also been putting out a newsletter for over five years, and I haven't yet lost my mind, Keith Hartel. Welcome to the program. Why, thank you, Chris. It's uh, well, congratulations on on your many, many, many achievements. Uh, I'll tell you, it's funny when you said um, the nihilistics went as far north as Boston and as far west as um, Dover, because, and you said that you guys couldn't really tour because it wasn't tenable with the personality cocktail you had in that group or whatever. Good way the, to put it. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Um, the third hardcore show that I went to see um, was at Patrick's in New Brunswick, a club in New Brunswick that had started doing all ages shows. This would have been early 84, like probably very early 84. And, and you guys canceled like day of and you were replaced by the um, false prophets. How did you feel? Did you feel Did you ever get the feeling you've been cheated? You, I'll tell you what. It, yeah. well, you know what? It was. It was. It was kind of like uh, you know, like I said, third hardcore show. So it was just very excited. I was excited to see the misguided. You know, they were on the bill too. So um, the false prophets really like. I was ready for what? What? Okay. What are you going to give me instead? And uh, I thought they were great. I saw them one other time. Um, but yeah, I was disappointed not to see you guys because um, that record was really big with me and my clique of you know angry punk rockers in, in high school. You know. My, my trench coat mafia really was into that nihilistics album, like for reals, serious. That was a good uh, record, yeah. I mean, I, I if I had it to do all over again, I might have, you know, like with what I know about pr- production now and 
I might have stepped in a little bit more on some of the things like the drum sound and, you know, just a few other things where it was really what they were doing in the 80s. And it, I don't know if it served the record all that much. Not that it's ever going to get remastered. That's not going to happen. I don't even know who has the master tapes, to be honest with you. I know Ron keeps carrying on. He, uh, he will be a nihilistic until he dies, I'm sure. And um, yeah. he swears to me, because, you know, that's another band I never got paid for anything I've done. Um, and when... Oh, that's not true. I mean, when the when uh, Michael Board was, like, handing out the royalties for the Roar cassette, he would send us a check every year and we would split up the money. And uh. and that was the only money. But he swears he's, you know, laid out more money on that band than he's ever made. And it sounds about right. I'm not sure the Nihilistics big money maker you know what's going to happen one day someone's going to buy one of the songs or rent it to use it in a tv show or a movie and then then you'll have a little bit of a payday right uh yeah like when after the ramones all died and suddenly the beer company came calling um except for marky he was still walking upright i don't even know if he had a cut of any of that i'm not sure he had any of the publishing on that song that uh, Uh, budweiser used but um yeah, it's uh, it's interesting when you look back, and, and I think it's a valid point, as I said a moment ago. It's easier to look backwards when you don't know. I mean, when the future is so completely... I, I mean, look, the future is never known to anybody. Good luck if you have a crystal ball. Good luck with that. Um, but I don't remember a time when you didn't even know if there was going to be a future because things were so completely fucked up. And how are you feeling these days? When's the last, we spoke probably a month ago, uh, and, and things have only gotten crazier since then. So what is the, the vibe over there? Well, I realize I, I'm totally, I, I think I've psychologically just flattened out because, um, you know, uh, the most boring thing, I have to make the qualifier, nothing is more tedious than uh, people listening to someone else tell their what their dream was. But this is short, and if there's a point. So I dreamed last night that I got a bag of uh, edible marijuana, and it was like popcorn, like marijuana nuggets that tasted like popcorn, but they were edible marijuana. And then I was like psyched to go to my friend's house to go watch the new Charlie Kaufman movie that is coming to Netflix today. Whereas my real life plans was to eat edible gummy marijuana and watch that movie in my house. And I've had that plan all week. So that's the kind of, I guess, my subconscious. That's what my subconscious is grappling with at this point. And I think I, I might have uh, leveled at the absurdity. Is this has been a this is a fucked up week? Is it goop? It's funny. It's comma tragic. It's highs. It's lows. You laugh. You cry. And then you find yourself saying to yourself, "Really? I mean, that's the word that I probably <laughs> yeah, yes, am yeah. using more than any other because you see things and you go." Really? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I might even add a right now, as in, really right now? And <laughs> I, I say that all through the day. Like, I say that when I see some of the QAnon shit that's bubbling up, that's made its way to our president, that he's yeah. repeating. I see it when uh, friends of mine who... I sort of know, but not really. I make the mistake of friending them on Facebook, and then I find out... Oh, they're an asshole, you know? And yeah. and then I'm sort of like, okay, well, what do I do now? Because I still 
sort of see this person? Do I bail on this Facebook friendship? It is, after all, just bullshit. Because I can't put up, I can't take the memes of like Donald Trump discussing Kyle Rittenhouse and what a great shot he was. And I'm like, so we're celebrating vigilantism now. Is that what we're doing? We're celebrating, you know, a race war breaking out on the streets of America. What what exactly are you celebrating with these memes? And I engage a little bit to the degree that I can, but then it... It's 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 a very frustrating time, Keith Artel, because you can th- you know you can present people with what you think are facts, and they just say two words to you. They say fake news, and they dismiss yeah. it. And suddenly, there goes like there's no mooring anymore. You're not moored. You're not tethered to anything anymore. And we're yes. all just like we're all like floating in space. We're like Major Tom. You know, there's no communication anymore. We're floating in space. And and we're all in our fucking spaceships, and I don't know where this ends. Like I don't know how this movie ends because it, it can't end well, right? Am I right? Um, you're. I I, I go both ways on that. Um, there's a weird feeling how this. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that you and I are relatively fortunate in the conditions that we're dealing with the pandemic. So you know, sort of like the atomized um, lifestyle of like being strangely inside all the time and only communicating through computers. Like, it seems like a Philip K. Dick, you know, dystopian future, just like in in terms of like the, um, the, the, you know, there's a melancholy like droning on, like it's, it's, it's different than, you know, there's catastrophic things, many catastrophic things happen all over the country. But as far as like your average person who isn't being evicted and who is able to, you know, cover the bills, it's a strange like, you know, if there's a there's an alienation and it's like really um, I don't know if you ever read that uh, David Foster Wallace book, uh, Infinite Jest. Never did. It was it's a genius book because it was written right when the Internet was brand new. And the theme of the book was alienation. And it was this prediction that um, entertainments, and, he, and they, were, they were just described as entertainments. And the idea was that people were getting so much entertained that that's all they did was look at screens all the time. And like, it, it just turned, like, he really laid it all out. And again, I have to stress, like, this is like, maybe DVDs were kind of new. So the thing of like owning the entertainment you slip in the computer was a hot shit new idea and people were fixated on that. And the internet, but it's like he really predict the mood of now um, saturates that book, and it's you know it's about alienation and atomization of uh, society. So that feels like that's like a lot of, of how it feels like as far as where it ends. I you know I don't know how it to a certain extent keeps going, but it just like this feels like that sort of future. Well, it's the future he predicted, but um, it's it's sort of like you see where it's sustainable and not satisfying. Um, and then there's this other thing with everyone being atomized. Um, you know, we're very this whole situation with people like you know, if you go, I, I mean, for the rest of the future, I think for our lifetimes, um, I have to imagine like lockdown and limited like where you're allowed to go and be is going to be normal. So did you just like, say for the rest know, of our lifetimes? Yeah, I, 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 maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so, because it, it's like, it doesn't go... Well, that's a bummer. Go... What's that? <laughs> yeah. You said it's a bummer. It's a yeah, bummer. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's when, the, um, when a thing happens like a pandemic, 
And then the government sets up this precedent where it's like, okay, now we can tell you when you can work and when you can't work and when it's good to go outside or not and where you can go. And once people are entrained to that, that that's not going away. They're not going to not. It's, it's the same thing with the, um, you know, the freaking um, the Patriot Act, you know, that was after 9-11. And we're still dealing with issues connected to that. But it's the same thing. After 9-11, there was overreach. The, the, the fucking um, the, the DHS is now terrorizing the country. They killed a fucking dude yesterday. Yeah, they want you know, to get that guy, that Antifa guy, who uh, yeah. shot somebody, and yeah. uh, he shot a Patriot Prayer dude, uh, Danielson yeah. was his name, and yeah. they uh, they went to round him up, and somehow he ended up dead. Oops, whoopsie-daisy, yeah. he's dead now, sorry. Whoopsie-daisy! Yeah, and here's, here's the weird thing about that, did you did you watch the uh, Vice interview Wait a minute, I have some sound from that, hang on, just, I got the oh, DHS, yeah. hang on a minute. We kill you pretty soon. I think that's what that's from. <laughs> did I watch the interview with what guy? The guy that did this uh, shot that the Patriot the, Prayer dude? The, the creepy thing was that the there was a Vice interview, like a filmed Vice interview released with that guy within hours of the report that he was dead. Like it was it, it was as if it was like a coordinated, you know, whatever, PSYOP. But and then when you look at the guy, it's like, you know, well, do you remember last year an older guy, like a 68-year-old dude, tried to go and blow up uh, some kind of um, ICE headquarters, I think in Portland also, or somewhere around there? For, no, I don't, I, I don't Portland. remember that, but uh, it was a, I believe It was you. a similar story. He was going to try to blow up you know, ICE and you know, do, I guess, a terrorism against you know, uh, ICE. Which, you know, people, a lot of people are in favor of that kind of thing. But he got killed. It was the same thing. It's like this guy tried to blow up ice. He got killed. And then the, you get his, like, um, backstory. It's like, oh, this guy was, like, a lunatic. Like, he was 68 years old. He was radical left. But he's also very, like, you know, he was martyring himself, essentially. Or at least that's what all the Internet stuff that comes back. But a lot of it seemed to be organically people that knew him. Um, the interview with the guy that got killed yesterday, it's just like, you know, when I think of these people in Antifa that want to go and scrap against the right wing and, you know, what I've seen on video, you think of younger people like, you know, 20s, you know, maybe younger, you know, and, you know, various ages. But this dude was a 48 year old dude, whitest looking dude possible and had that like gaunt, like, um, you know, meth head, pill head look and, you know, that kind of like dissociative. I don't know. He had a weird way of talking about what happened because he's just going like. No, they're saying you you shot in self-defense. He's like, well, th no, there's there's no doubt in my mind that if I hadn't taken those shots, me and my friends would be killed. And the thing is, there is film of it. And now I know that there's a, a backstory about Rittenhouse where, you know, it's not as much self-defense as it looks in the video you see. It yeah. looks like self-defense. But the Antifa dude, like, who's saying that their lives are threatened, first he's talking about how it was so intimidating that these um, big trucks roll in for the MAGA parade. And then he's saying, like, I feel so threatened. So it's like, OK, if I feel threatened by like a, a, a right wing MAGA parade and it really looked like mostly a truck procession. But I know that these people get shitty. But it's like if I feel like very like under siege by that, I don't run into that. I, I don't go out there with a gun. I don't hit the streets with a gun. That's not my move. I'm, that's me. I mean, other people have their thing. But like my move well, would be to uh, hunk, hunker down. Uh, yeah. Listen, the guy <laughs> was probably itching for a fight with some Trumpist. And yeah. when they started firing paintballs in his direction and throwing things, and by the way, the police had told him not to drive through downtown Portland. 
And they weren't supposed to. They were supposed to stay on 405 and skirt the city. And many of them decided, let's go fuck with people. And it's yeah. just like one of their stupid memes. Like, you fucked around, and it bit you in the ass. You brought a knife to a gunfight. You brought a paintball gun to a gunfight. So, as far as I'm concerned, they're, uh, you know, both sides are looking to mix it up. And they oh, want yes. to mix it up badly. Yes. And they, uh, whether or not they want to actually murder is another question. I think once you get to the level of, I want to murder somebody, it proves that you are mentally ill to begin with. You're just a mentally ill person. And unfortunately, this president isn't like a, a paragon of mental health. He's not the guy that's going to foster good mental health in this country. There's no way in hell because he himself does not have good mental health. He's oh, he's yeah. a raging, malignant narcissist, and he can't not have it be about him for even two seconds. He he exited the RNC where, you know, in he was a, a part of the conversation, but he wasn't the only focus of the conversation. And they were out of it by about a day when he turned the whole thing back to him and made it about him because he, he needs to be at the center of everything. So I, I just think that, to answer my own question from earlier, uh, this about this can't end well, I hope that it's it's like America isn't lost. But in many ways, as I said earlier, it feels lost in space. It does feel like we have utterly lost our way and we don't know how to get back because there is such horrid division in this country between the left and the right and people who just will shoot each other sooner than say hello. And we, I think it really started... You and I have talked about this before, but Lee Atwater was one of those scorched earth guys. And Newt yeah. Gingrich, who basically said the other side is not just wrong, they're evil. And yeah. as soon as you do that, and as soon as you dehumanize the other side, the legitimate yeah. other side of the conversation, whether it's the Green New Deal or whether it's uh, stamping out systemic racism or whether whatever these folks in Portland are protesting, please stop murdering uh, black people indiscriminately and let's just please stop murdering them, period. Uh, now the news comes out of Rochester, New York from March about a guy who was spitting at the police. So they put a mesh hood over his head and now he's he's dead. Guess what? He died. And now it's getting out. And people are like, why didn't you tell us when it happened? And so now another city is going to be convulsed by these well, protests. Did you, did you see that video? I did not. Now, I got to say, because I, there's nothing that justifies what happened to the guy. But there's two things about it that are a little creepy to me. Um, one thing is, I don't like, like the fact that it's being shown to us now what happened. Um the timing, you know, it's just it's just like, oh, no, we need more. It's as if that some force is like, no, we need to continue more agitation about this. And if you compare it to the George Floyd video, it's it's just very much not that because, you know, they were restraining a man who had mental illness and was acting you know, crazy. And it, I mean, but you can hear because, you know, you know, Rochester, they're like the nice, you know, white people or whatever. They're known for that. Um, the cops are just very. They're restraining him, but they're just saying, "Look, look, man, you got to calm down, or else, or else, or else, we got to keep this hood on you. You just got to, you just got to calm down." And they're waiting for an EMT. So right. my point is, like those guys fucked up, and I mean, I tend to like look at the system of how things are done is more what's what that's about. But then when you see people saying the cops murdered this man, 
It's like, well, no, what happened to George Floyd, everyone agrees, um, has the look of a murder. But no, this looked like a like a, a very bad fuck up. But but the cops totally didn't seem like they were they seemed like they were trying to keep the guy under control and they didn't sound macho or, you know, well, like, I think um, technically you're that what they are trained to do is de-escalate so that's what it yeah, was that's yeah. what the vibe was right de-escalation i haven't seen the video and i don't know about it but it is odd that this happened in march we're finding out about it now in yeah. september news came out yesterday or the day before about this but um look i mean it's very we don't live in a subtle time so what you're engaging yeah. in are some sort of subtleties that are not going to fly in the, in the present moment there is yeah. a lot of doctrinaire behavior on both sides of the political spectrum um, there is, I mean, I was, I'm part of a public, uh, radio listserv where recently a guy, a white dude scolded another white dude for using clap emojis in between the words of his email, uh, because apparently that was black, uh, cultural appropriation and the white guy, uh, by the way, it all started when this black woman, apparently I didn't know she was black until the white guy told us she was black. Um, she put out a job offer and she didn't include a salary range. So this guy writes back and he does the clap emoji in between every word. And next thing you know, this guy is writing in this really inflamed email about how I really, it really made me ill to see you, you know, use the clap back in your email, black cultural appropriation, woman of color, person of color. And basically, you know, please be more professional so this kind of thing doesn't happen again in the future. And it was, we were all, I just remember looking at the screen and going, what the fuck? Really? This guy's getting worked up over an emoji now? And I thought maybe it was a joke. I, was, I wanted to write back and say, are you joking me, bro? I mean, what is this? And it wasn't a joke. And so next thing you know, uh, this black guy writes and says, hey, I'm a black producer and filmmaker. This is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. The emoji emojis were invented by white people. What does it have to do with black culture? And who cares anyway when there's actual horrible things going on in the country? And you really need to pick your battles. And I had written this email. I didn't send it. I, but I, I wrote this email and said, hey, couldn't... Essentially, I said, couldn't you have contacted this person back channel? Did this have to be a mm-hmm. reply all kind of thing? I mean, because now... Yeah. To me, Keith Artell, the guy's obviously virtue signaling. He's he's obviously oh. he's taken on this burden. You might even call it a white man's burden. That is <laughs> his good. burden to to a, to you know make this innocent person feel like a shit heel for doing something mm-hmm. that none of us knew. I mean, I thought the guy was applauding. I thought with the claps, I thought he was like saying, "Hey, can you? It would be great if you told us the salary range." Like applause. And it turns yeah. out, no, he was clapping back, and that's cultural appropriation, and you're not supposed to clap back. And so so then I sent my email. I was like, all right, you know what? Ron sent his email. I'm going to send my email. And it descended into hell from there. It just descended into these people, <laughs> like, digging in. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm really getting tired of this particular breed. I don't think it's wrong to be a social justice warrior. I think we all should be in a way. But there's a particular breed of really horrifying social justice warrior who feels the need to prostrate them, prostrate themselves. Is that the word? Yeah, prostrate, yeah. Prostrate, prostrate themselves, yeah. and to to really let us all know how much better 
of a white person they are than we are because they're doing the emotional labor, as this guy said. I read several <laughs> phrases like emotional labor, uh, um, uh, violent verbiage, I think was one of them, or violent, I forget. There there was just, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, is this really how people talk now? I mean, literally mentioning safe spaces and they're not kidding and talking about triggering and traumatic words. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I spent my entire childhood being called, being called a fat fuck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's like, Jesus yeah, Christ almighty. Every day I went to school, like every <laughs> single day. There wasn't a single day that you went to school that you weren't called that punk word. rock faggot. Yeah, there you every go. Every day, every and it was day. Like, all and, right, and you know, and no one stopped them. And that was just the teachers, by the way. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Just kidding. Teachers don't do that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you know. So I, I just thought. Um, uh, and by the way, this email chain ended when a woman used those words I just mentioned, triggering, traumatic, uh, verbal oh. violence is what she said, um, and and specifically mentioned me. Uh, white people like Chris is what she said. And I just said, I'm out of here. Now I'm done. That's that's it for me. I mean, I... What about I want the, I was yelling at the screen. What about Ron? What about the black producer and uh, audio guy, filmmaker Ron? What about him? What about wh- what yeah. about when he said this is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard? And uh, there's far more important things in the world. I I really think we've crossed a kind of Rubicon, you know. And now, if if this is if the message that these people are receiving is. You know, this is not only okay, it's warranted. Because I, I left out the part where the guy who did the clap emoji wrote this uh, page-long Soviet show trial-type admission about how horrible a white person he is mm. and how much more work he needs to do. Oh, he did it, and he, 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 he promised that he would work to be better in the future and correct did he use the phrase like uh, to correct his racism or something like yes. that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Corrections. He said he used the phrase corrections. And I remember thinking oh, like, yeah. like that novel, like that book corrections. I don't know. Yeah. Is that what he's talking about? It was well, horrifying. It was horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. I, I see that shit on Twitter like all the time where there's someone like um, yesterday, like a random example. Um, there was like some uh, like a young woman that was involved in uh, some animated kind of show and there was like an online zoom chat and you know they were like making up joke names for characters and stuff and you know she kind of blundered into something that was maybe you know a little yeah like like, oh you you kind of went too far there but you can tell it was like a free association kind of thing and it's one of those goofy zoom chats like who, who watched those things and I hadn't seen any of that shit, but what I did see is, like, on Twitter, she had, like, a 20-tweet thread that was just the, the prostrating that you're talking about. And that's the, like, and the I commit to learning and correcting and, and like, what I did was so horrible. Oh, wait. And wait, I found the letter. I got to read you the – can I – do you okay, mind? yeah. Okay, so I'll just cut right to the chase because he, he – there's a little bit beforehand where he talks about, how, you know, he – accidentally hit send and he wasn't finished with his email 
And then he really kicks in and he says, thank you for your correction. I am indeed a white person, and clearly there is some context for clapping back that I had missed. My note was in conversation with other threads around transparency of pay, and clearly I chose the wrong way to link this thread to a prior conversation. In addition to being culturally appropriative, my email was snarky and not professional. Two, and I named redacted, Another name redacted and or anyone else harmed by my last email. I deeply apologize. What I wrote was wrong for a number of reasons. And I imagine that it may have made you feel unwelcome, dismissed or not valued. If there are other dimensions of this that I am not seeing or not articulating, I welcome further corrections while recognizing that anyone who chooses to do so is offering a gift of their labor. The onus of correcting, understanding, and improving his mind alone. What I love about this community is our commitment to fairness and inclusiveness. To think that I may have diminished those qualities by my racial insensitivity or other means is alarming to me and inspires me to redouble my efforts in making sure my actions are inclusive and anti-racist, especially in the communities of which I am part. I realize that my... Prior emails might have lessened others' opinions of me, both personally and professionally. I recognize that I may have done damage that I cannot correct, but I will nonetheless work to repair damage, regain trust, and curb future errors. Yeah, yeah, well, well uh, you, know, you know what's funny is, you know who, the, the person that did that, like the apology for saying something that turned out to be maybe fucked up, um that did it exactly right the way everyone should, but because Ilhan Omar is, is, is black and Muslim, you know, she doesn't have to do the whole fucking I'm poisoned because of what I am. Like I am, you know, inherently bad because of my white evil. But it was when you remember when she'd said, a, a, she made a few remarks about Israel that some people claimed had like anti-Semitic dog whistles, right. which I believe did register as such the same way, you know, that's some shit that a lot of people say does. And then also plausible deniability. But basically, there was a point where, you know, Chelsea Clinton kind of came in to, like, broker the, like, yeah, you know, people shouldn't say things that make other people feel that way and anti-Semitism shouldn't be tolerated. So Ilhan Omar just came out with, okay, you know, it's been pointed out to me that these these anti-Semitic tropes, these are apparently anti-Semitic tropes that are harmful to people. um, And I I don't want to, you know, have anything to do with that. So... Um, you know, I unqualified apologize. And that was it. That's all she said. Yeah, that's all she said. I didn't know that that was going to fuck with people. I didn't mean to fuck with people. Well, I'll try not but, to in but, the future. But, Sorry. Uh, here's the thing I don't understand about the well-meaning white person who decided to scold another ignorant white person <laughs> on behalf of a black woman. Um, he claims because I mean, in one of my emails, I remember saying, well, if the person who sent the initial email, you know, the person of color, the woman of color, the black woman, as he pointed out, he pointed out several times, if they weren't, well, I mean, if they weren't uh, put off by that or, or worked up over it, why are you? And, yeah. and he, cl- and he claimed, I don't know that he had emailed her and asked her if he could say something about it in this public group that has like 5,000 people. It's a sizable community. If he could excoriate a fellow colleague in full view of a bunch of other fellow colleagues. And he claims that she was okay with it. And I'm like, really? See, that's another time I found myself saying that, Keith. Or yeah. Like, really? Just the yeah. idea of like you write 
to your and he called her a colleague. I don't know if that what that means. If they work together or they're in the same field. Imagine you know like emailing her and saying, by the way, I was really put out by that clapback emoji. And I would like to respond if you don't mind me doing the emotional labor. I, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to picture this email. I'm trying hard to imagine this email where he reached out to her. I And by the way, she hasn't weighed in on this at all because she's got more important things to do, I'm sure. And I just feel like this is a new level of stupidity. And uh, the right is stupid. They do a lot of stupid things, but the left is stupid, too. They do stupid yeah. things as well. And, you know, I know that you've been fairly steady in that position. I... I uh, it's a little harder for me to admit. I like to think of the of the left as being really on the side of history in terms of what they would like to achieve in this country, and the right pretty firmly oh, yeah. being on the wrong side of history. But that doesn't yeah. forgive the rigidity and the kind of uh, doctrinaire nonsense that's permeating the left now. I'm, and I mean the far end of the left, where yeah. you know yeah. these people are just being goddamn ridiculous. Without any further ado, though, I would like to play some uh, uh, Karen of the Week, if you don't mind, Keith Artell, because we're running out of road quickly. I'll try to pack this in to six minutes. If you remember how we play this, I'm going to play you some Karens, and we're going to rate them. Uh, You could pick gold, silver, and bronze. And uh, here we go. All lives matter, and not just black lives. She's a doll, she's a queen, she's a tantalizing teen, and Karen... Is her name? I want the manager. At a party, she's a snubber and a rock and roll and number. Everybody's glad she came. Get out. Hey, that's Karen. You need to go home. We do not want you here. Get the fuck out of this world. She sets her hair with great precision. I want the manager. It's her favorite indoor sport. Get out. And by the light of television, she can even write a book report. I am not a racist person. There is no one greater north or south of the equator. Karen's always in a She's alarming but disarming and a really very charming modern girl. But I'm standing here waiting for the manager and I don't care. Hi, my name is Karen. I like anything. There's too much production here. I gotta cut this back, Keith Rectel, because now we're we're quickly running out of time. Pick up the phone and call now. By the way, happy birthday to Al Jardine. Just thought I want to throw that out there. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it was either today or yesterday. It might be a belated birthday. But here we go with our first Karen out of the gate. I call this Bowling Karen. Took place in a bowling alley where a Karen had this to say. Oh, it's my because first you time know bowling. how to wait your turn when you're bowling next to my family? How do I have to wait a turn? We're on different lanes. That's the problem. You see when to go when other people are going because I can be a professional and you can be screwing me up. I can see your score. You're definitely not a professional. You finished well, the game with 40 points. Well, I took some pictures of you and your family. That's and kind of weird. Because you don't know bowling etiquette. Go ahead and show them. You don't, I don't know care. bowling etiquette. I don't you care. You don't know bowling etiquette. Okay. Man, right there recording me. He's recording me. And yeah, I am. Physically assault me. And he called me a slur. Yeah, you're a bitch. <laughs> don't you dare follow me to my car. Oh, that was bowling, Karen. Uh, pretty good, Karen. It had a lot of things in it we haven't heard before, like bowling, for one. And that's classic. And bowling classic etiquette. Karen. And I like that she said it three times. You don't know bowling etiquette. You don't know bowling etiquette. You don't know bowling etiquette. I thought that was pretty. It's gonna be hard to beat her. It's gonna be hard to beat that one. That's a high bar. But we also have a uh, a platinum card, Karen. No, this one is gonna be a little tough to hear. So let's do 
Let's do Walmart Karen, <laughs> which is actually a Ken. All right? On your highway to hell and get out of a godly man's face! No, I will. By your very blind ignorance, you don't have the ability to even come up with your own fucking ideas. I will leave when I sit. You've not established authority to tell me to leave. You go get a manager. You want to call You find management that I can no longer. Yeah. You have Are you exercising your right as a private company? Take away my rights. Jesus Christ. You say you can refuse service. Are you refusing my service? Yes. Why don't you say we refuse your service? No. I choose to yell, and you cannot stop me! Behind you, please, to the service of Satan in your ignorant belief that you are right. Please, in the future, respect my rights. No one else is. All right, we're quickly running out of road, so that's about all that Walmart Karen I have for you. But it's pretty good. He mentioned Satan. And, uh, that was pretty wild. And uh, here's, a, here's a guy. This is good. He shows up at a cosmetic store to buy, I guess, cosmetics. He's kind of like a slob. He's got like an open shirt. His belly's hanging out. He's wearing sandals and shorts. He uh, has a a floppy hat on. And he wants to come in and pay with cash. And they're trying to tell him that all we're doing is curbside ordering via the app. And you have to go and pay on the app. And we're not taking cash right now because, you know, COVID-19. And by the way, you don't have a mask on. And he keeps trying to barge into the store. So this is... Cosmetic store Ken or male Karen. Are you fucking retarded? No, I'm not. I'm actually <laughs> retarded. Bring this, bring this gentleman out here. He doesn't need to be over here. I will not the prosecutor exit my store. I am not doing a cash transaction outside. What's your name? Michelle. Michelle? Yes. And I'm what's his name? Christopher. I am a manager. And what's your name? That's Haley. I'm Haley. You're telling me I can't buy that for what reason now? Curbside service, like everyone else is doing. You, you have, have to, to do, do it through, through the app. Mm-hmm. I don't do the app. app. I pay cash, cash money. But we're not do you understand allowed. that, little girl? You, you I do. You have to be yeah. up here, and you have to be wearing a mask. Are you guys on drugs? No. Am I missing something? Are you drugs? No, I'm not. Okay, and I will call the cops. Out, I will. So first, I will call the cops. We do not exit my store. You keep using vulgar language. There is a child right there. What vulgar language? I'm not repeating it. Are you, are you, get the boss, man. Get the boss. My family are all litigators. This is bullshit. You're doing this to the wrong guy. You want to get your boss out here and we can smooth this over? It's a company-wide policy. Also, corporate requires everybody. And I'm telling you, I cannot wear the mask. I'm medically exempt. Do you understand that? There's no medical exemption. I can go get a Yes, there is. Mr. Smarty Pants, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You're what? What did you say? Your husband? Let me have a good look at you. (laughs) He's getting creepier. Oh, this is a good one, Keith Arthur. He's now sizing up the guy. 
And he said, I'm going to have some fun with this one. What did he mean? Are you filming me? I absolutely no. am. Are you filming me? Of course. How else would we know what the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, I might be able to get in one more Karen. Can you stand one more Karen? Sure. Oh, I could have as many. Bring them on. Platinum card Karen freaks out at the stop and shop or wherever the fuck she is. And uh, I think, I don't know if this is California. The, the Walmart guy who mentioned Satan was in California. I don't really know where this is. But she keeps mentioning her platinum car, and she's dressed in, like, sweatpants. So I like the snarky commentary on the soundtrack by who's ever doing the video. Here we go, Keith Hartel. So first she bosses someone out of the line. No, she was way ahead of you. Okay, well, she should be in line and go her turn. She was before you. Okay, she should go. I think she's being polite. Maybe. She's just tired of listening to you as well. I bet she is, but she should go if she's in line. Definitely. Ma'am, I need your ID. So now she's trying to buy lit, uh, liquor. I can put my phone number. Everybody gets ID. Mine gets scanned every time I'm here. I can put my phone number right now for you. I'm a lot younger than you. I will definitely do it. And I don't know, I care if you know who I am either. I'll give a Facebook's about to know. Karen. Have a great day. <laughs> hmm. I think we're getting to the platinum card part. Let's see if we. What's your name? There's nothing in here for you to ring out. I have American Express as platinum. I bet that's it. You have enough. no product in there because you've given me no ID. Karen, what's your last name? I have a American Express card as platinum. I have an American Express card and it's platinum. What do you think? Uh, can you can you gauge? Uh, 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 ranking? Yes, bronze. Let's start okay. with bronze. Oh, is bronze the lowest or the highest? The lowest. It's low. Okay, lowest. Lowest was for me um, the second one that was the guy yelling about the devil. Okay. Um, Walmart. Uh, it was great, great material. I didn't think it was as Karenish. It just seemed more lunatic. All right, we got about thirty seconds. So then, silver. Silver, um, other guy, because um, it was very entertaining, but male energy to me, yes, it's not Karen energy. And when I label someone a Karen, I like the idea of plausible misogyny. All right, so what's the best Karen then? The best Karen is the bowling one, like no doubt, because that wow. was the exact, that was the mentality, that was the exact mentality, like right. supervising someone else saying, this is the way it is. And I like, know. You know, I like it. We uh, got five seconds. Keith Hartel, I'm going to say goodbye, all right? And uh, thank you. Right. I'm sorry we ran, ran out of road so quickly, but it was a fascinating conversation as usual. And I will turn you over here to thehoundnyc.com and stay here because Sundays there are new hound howls at 3 p.m. Eastern time and then uh, followed, of course, by... Crashing the party, hound howls, and then crashing the party at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. This is Aerial View, and I'll see you real soon. Happy birthday to me.